So grateful to be with you this morning in this beautiful space, ready for the second Sunday of Advent as we prepare our hearts for the arrival of the Christ child. As we prepare to gather at God's table for communion this morning, virtually and in this place. So will you join me in a moment of prayer? Gracious and loving God, we know you're present with us this morning here and online. May the love of Advent and Christmas help us to know joy as we celebrate Emmanuel, God is with us. Open our hearts to hear the message you have for us this morning. May the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing to you, O Lord. Amen. You know, last week, Andy began our upside-down Christmas series by asking the question, what do you want for Christmas? A question meant to move us into thinking and seeing Christmas in a new way, not as the world asks us to see it, but in the upside-down way that God is building a kingdom of justice and peace, of hope and love, of so much joy. And so I thought I would begin this morning with a question, too. What are you expecting this Christmas? Are there traditions and routines and conventional activities that you are planning on? Now, you might remember that when we first moved to Valencia, I had a glorious spreadsheet. It tracked every box that was packed and what was packed inside. Just a few weeks ago when the youth baked pies, even last year, that involved for me multiple spreadsheets and lists and schedules and details. I am a bit of a list maker, a constant planner. I certainly like routines. And so when it comes to Advent and Christmas, it is fair to say that I have certain expectations. One of them is related to my nativity collection. Now, you've heard Andy reference that it's in the hundreds. It is not that bad. The last time I counted, it was about 75, of course. That was a few years ago. But you can see in the picture, some of them are just ornaments that hang on our tree. Some of them are wall displays. Some are Advent calendars. And I'm always on the lookout for new nativities, especially if they're unique. I was gifted a lovely pyramid from a church member a pyramid carousel nativity from a church member during Pastor Appreciation Month this year. So I like nativities. I have a strong tradition and expectation around these nativities. You see, there's about 30 or so of them that have a baby Jesus that can be removed from the scene or out of Mary's arms or the manger or just as a complete separate piece on its own. And so each year as we decorate and set up these nativities, these pieces go into a box, a box of baby Jesuses, of baby Jesi. I told the first service, this tradition has been going on for 20 years. I still have no idea how to pluralize Jesus, but it's nonetheless a box of many Jesus figures, and it stays under the Christmas tree until Christmas morning. It is the very first present that we open on Christmas morning. We run around placing a variety of Jesuses and nativity scenes all over the house. It's a tradition that I love, I cherish, that my family tolerates. They know that when we're going to wake up on Christmas morning, the expectation is to open the Jesus box first. You know, I think for many of us, our Christmas has a pattern to it. 
We have traditions and expectations that we insist on meeting personal family, even ones here at church. In fact, I know a couple who spent their first years having very difficult, real painful arguments over whose Christmas traditions were best. Like what do they ask Santa to leave in the stockings? Or is it a star or an angel that tops the tree? For the record, it's a star because there's a box of Jesuses under the tree. For some of us, Christmas is about taking out the same boxes, decorating the same tree the same way, making the same meal on Christmas Eve. But Advent, as our church study tells us, is a season of surprises. Advent reminds us that God acts not by patterns, but by promises and prophecies, not in the routine, but in the unexpected. And 2,000 years ago, there was nothing more extraordinary than the two couples who would have sons that would change the world. Last week, Andy talked about how the prophets tried to help us to hear the voice of, how the voice of God is calling us to see God's movement in the world, in our lives, in surprising and unexpected ways. This is also made clear in the first chapter of the Gospel of Luke. God takes what we expect to be ordinary and transforms them into the extraordinary. Now, this transformation usually begins with a visit from an angel. And when angels visit unexpectedly, extraordinary things happen. Anytime that God uses Gabriel or other angels to send a message, it serves as a holy interruption that shifts the course of life significantly. Angels tend not to deliver boring and expected and ordinary news. It's unexpectedly, it's suddenly, it's in unanticipated ways that these messengers appear and alter what seem to be fixed and predictable paths. And that first happens in Luke with Zachariah and Elizabeth. They are both righteous before God and they're unable to have children as older individuals. They're well past their childbearing years. Zachariah is a priest. And during one of his routine services in the temple, the angel Gabriel appears to him, tells him not to be afraid, and then announces that Elizabeth will bear a child who will be named John. This is unexpected news. And Zachariah's response is to ask, how will I know that this is so? For I am an old man and my wife is getting on in years. Incidentally, I think this response shows just how wise Zachariah is. He refers to himself as old, but his spouse is just getting on in years. Zechariah and Elizabeth are ordinary individuals, but they will soon experience how God makes extraordinary things happen and how the world is going to be turned upside down. And then we hear the story of Mary from just a little bit later in that first chapter of Luke. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. 
Mary said to this angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child is to be, bo to be born will be holy, and he will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed her. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, in many ways, Mary and Joseph's story is the opposite of Elizabeth and Zacharias. They're just beginning their life together. They're not married yet. Mary is very young. And it, yet an angel appears and gives her shocking news. Now, you and I have heard the whole story for both couples. We have the advantage of knowing the world-altering things that will follow. But in this moment... For all these perfectly ordinary individuals, these angel visits were genuinely surprising, confusing, and scary, unexpected experiences. Both Zachariah and Mary eventually get to the point that they can both sing praises to God for the ways their worlds have been turned upside down, for the ways that their children will turn the world upside down. But too often, we move quickly from these unsettling and unexpected angelic visits to their joyful songs, and we miss an important step. You see, none of this makes sense. They are ordinary people being given extraordinary news. These angel visits require them to exit the realm of predictability. Now, I don't know about you, but I am not the type of person who welcomes exiting the realm of predictability. I like things to be predictable. Being able to reasonably plan for what might come gives me great comfort. I can be flexible, but I like it when things match my expectations. And if an angel had showed up to me with an unexpected, extraordinary announcement that would turn not just my life, but the whole world upside down, I am not sure that my response would be appropriate or worthy to be recorded in the Gospels. And the truth is, it was hard for these couples, too. Both Zachariah and Mary respond to their angelic visits with the question of, how? How can this be? How will I know that this is so? I know in our skit this morning, even, even in our scriptures, it makes it seem like there's this immediate acquiescence to God's will, but I'm not sure that's the case. They clearly have doubts and concerns and lots of questions, and yet, in that moment of such uncertainty, they both receive reassurances. Do not be afraid. God is with you. They're reminded of how God makes the impossible possible, the ordinary extraordinary, of how God can turn our expectations upside down. And it's then, after Mary learns from the angel that she will give birth to God's son, that Mary goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth. And Mary's greeted by Elizabeth. The baby leaps in Elizabeth's womb. She is filled with the Holy Spirit. And she tells Mary, blessed are you among women, and so is the child in your womb. And it's right about here in this story that I imagine for just a brief moment, there's silence. A knowing silence. 
when Mary and Elizabeth are aware that they share a secret, one that the world around them, that the world that came before them has been longing to hear. A moment of silence where they are amazed by the love Almighty God has for creation. And as they revel in what they have come to know, it is then that Mary responds by singing a song of praise, the Magnificat. A song that allows Mary to exclaim her joy in the faithfulness and the goodness and the unexpectedness of God. A song that gives thanks for a God who considers, who cares for, who acts on behalf of the ordinary. A song for the unexpected way that God moves in the world and fulfills promises. Mary sings because she knows that on some level that the child she bears will not just change her world and life, but that the child is the ultimate gift of love that will turn the world upside down. Mary sings because while it's not what she expected, she knows what a gift this child is. She can imagine what Emmanuel, God with us, will do to the world around her. Mary sings a visionary song of an extraordinary world, a world upended by God's love. And so this Advent, this Christmas, we must sing with Mary too. We must sing the song of God's love for God's people. We must sing with Mary because we too need to sing with joy for the gift that changed everything. We must sing because we too know the promises of God and believe that because of Emmanuel, God with us, the world is forever upended. We should sing with Mary because we too recognize the good news that in Jesus the Messiah, God has entered this world in an ordinary way to make an extraordinary act of love and grace that will change the world. We should sing with Mary a song of hope that helps us look past our fears and our hurts, our suspicions, and to view those around us and with us with God's compassionate love. We should sing with Mary because we too know what it means to be lifted by the unconditional love of God. We should sing with Mary because we too are part of God's upside-down kingdom. We too can remember how God has made extraordinary things happen in the past, how God is making extraordinary things happen now in the present, and how God will make extraordinary things happen in the future to come. We should sing with Mary because God's love has transformed us and is transforming the world around us from ordinary to extraordinary. So church, I ask you again, what are you expecting this Christmas? Will you join me in a moment of prayer?